listening to the Michael Anthony Bible Teaching Podcast. This episode covers the life of Christ and the Gospel of Luke. You can enjoy more messages like this with the free Courage Matters app, available in your app store. If you'd like to request Michael for an interview, guest appearance, or as a keynote speaker for your event, click the Invite tab on the Courage Matters app or on CourageMatters.com. Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 1. Hey, Jesus, he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. Interesting word there, adversary, the same word that's used in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Your adversary, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he might devour. The same word that's used there. You've got an adversary. This woman had an adversary. She's in court pleading her case. And we'll get to the complexity of that in just a moment. She's pleading her case. You know anybody who has an adversary? Somebody who has maybe more than one adversary? Somebody who's coming against them? A circumstance, a situation, an individual, a crisis, a problem? Do you know anybody who is facing that kind of a situation? Come on. We all face that kind of a situation, repeatedly. Some of us, it's the same thing, different day. God knows that. And that's why Jesus taught this particular parable. Give me justice against my adversary, verse 4. For a while he refused, the unjust judge. But afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect or his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When the Son of Man comes, Jesus referring to himself, will he find faith on the earth? You know, there's a direct correlation between our faith and our prayer lives. Direct correlation between faith and our prayer lives. Don't give up. That's what Jesus is teaching about. Don't give up. Don't quit. True faith is faith that perseveres. It endures. It goes the distance. Yes, you're going to have blips and bumps and hardships and mistakes and failures, and shortcomings. Of course, Jesus knows that. That's why he's teaching about this. He knows that in the course of your life and in the course of my life, circumstances kick the wind out of us. Haven't you come to understand the truth that life is what happens to you while you're making other plans? That's what life is. We make our plans and then it happens. Oftentimes very differently than what we anticipated, what we expected. The way your children grow up, the way your parents grow up. The way that job that seemed to be a dream job ends up being a nightmare, so it seems. Health issues that arise that this wasn't supposed to happen to you. Fill in the blank, whatever the circumstances that you're facing. Some of us feel like we've been in Egypt for about 400 years making bricks without straw. 
Jesus knows that. You see, there's an important understanding here about your salvation if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Salvation has two parts. There's the here and now, the forgiveness of all of your sins. But the removal of all of your problems comes in the future. The removal of all of your problems comes in the future. Look with me at the book of 1 Peter in chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 in verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. Yes, you must be born again. Here it is again. Caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Your salvation, if you're born again, has two parts to it. The first part is the here and now, that Jesus, God the Father, through Jesus, has removed every single one of your sins. Every single one of them. If there's one sin that you feel is too big for Jesus. It doesn't matter that all the others were forgiven if, in fact, that one was not forgiven. You'd still be dead in your sins. There's no sin bigger than God. There's nothing that you have committed that God cannot, will not forgive. When Jesus hung on the cross and said, it is finished, what he was referring to was the removal of every single one of the sins of the people who have received him by faith. Those who are born again really are born again. You see, you can't be born again unless all of your sins are removed. Every single one of them. So stop behaving, thinking, acting as if that one sin is the one that will derail you. That one sin is the one that is unforgivable. There's no sin that is unforgivable. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have said, it is finished. Your salvation has two parts, the removal of every single one of your sins. Right here, right now, the moment you give your life to Christ. And your salvation has a second part. The redemption of your body, which is received at the culmination when Jesus Christ literally, bodily, physically returns on this planet and begins his kingdom in a real place seated on the throne of David. Yes, that will happen one day. The second part, the redemption of your bodies. And you know how you can believe in the reality of the redemption of your bodies? The same way that you believe in the forgiveness of your sins. If you believe in the forgiveness and the removal of all your sins, then you can by faith believe with certainty in the redemption of your body, the resurrection body, that Jesus was the first fruits and you'll have one like his. There's two parts to it. But you see, the problem that you have and the problem that I have is that when I woke up this morning and I put my feet on the ground, I was living in the world again. As quickly as my eight hours or whatever it was that I got of sleep, I wake up every morning to the same world, the same drama, the same stuff, 
Same temptations I have to deal with in my body. See, my mind is not totally renewed yet, but it's being renewed. And as my mind is being renewed, my lifestyle is changing more and more. This is what Paul was referring to in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. As your mind goes, so goes your body. So goes your living and your lifestyle. You've got a problem, I've got a problem. We're still living in this world. We haven't yet received the redemption of our bodies. We haven't yet received the second part of our salvation. Why? Because Jesus has not yet returned. But don't make a mistake about it. Jesus is returning. In the meantime... In the here and now, until that day when Jesus cracks the sky and visibly, physically, bodily returns and lands on the Mount of Olives, as the Old Testament says, and he splits it in two. Until that happens, Jesus is urging you who are born again. He's encouraging us not to lose heart, not to give up, not to let in, not to throw in the towel. Yes, you will fall short. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. First John says, if any man, any woman says he's without sin, he deceives himself. The truth's not in him. You blew it this week in your mind by the things that you meditated on that you shouldn't have, your eyes, the places that you looked at you shouldn't have looked at, the things in your heart that you dwelt upon that you shouldn't dwell upon. Yesterday I was putting in some shrubs early in the morning and had to apologize to my family because I was getting frustrated because I live in Glen Rock, which used to be called the Rocks of Glen, for good reason. And I spent time last week tilling up with a rototiller the very area where we were going to be digging to avoid the rocks. All that rototilling. And I was still dealing with my spade shovel and my pitchfork and pulling out those rocks of Glen. Getting the best of me. Frustrating me. I have not yet received the redemption of my body. Jesus has not yet cracked the sky and removed all those rocks in Glen Rock. And so my life proves the validity of the Bible that at the fall in the book of Genesis in chapter 3 that humanity was subject to toiling in this earth. That we would work hard as a result of the fall. We'd have to work hard because all of creation as a result of the crash was then corrupted. That's why it's hard here and now. That's why it's difficult. We have a savior, a God, an advocate who's able to understand and appreciate. Look with me at 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. This woman, this widow who we'll get to in a second, had an adversary. Those of us who are born again have not only an adversary, adversaries, adversarial circumstances, we also have an advocate. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, the older apostle John, affectionately speaking to those whom he was discipling and this letter was written to them. That's why he appropriately refers to them as my little children. I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. 
But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. You need to remember that passage of Scripture. You have an advocate. Someone who appears before the ultimate judge, God the Father, and pleads your case before him because you need somebody. You need somebody who's very persuasive with the Father. You need somebody to plead your case, actually Jesus' case, with the Father on your behalf. And that's what an advocate is. That's the idea. An advocate is somebody who appears before a judge and is the defense attorney. Pleading your case before the judge, who is, unlike the judge in the widow's situation, our judge, God, is just. Remember that you have an advocate in the midst of all your adversaries. And just make sure that you're looking at what's happening in your life. You know, you can be suffering difficulty because of disobedience to God. You can be suffering difficulty and hardship not because you're walking with God, but because you're not walking with God. And so the first thing you need to be able to do is make a distinction. Am I being persecuted? Is this an adversarial situation because of my disobedience, because of my refusal to walk with God? You've got to be able to discern that if you're born again. That's the first thing in regard to spiritual warfare. Understand who's opposing you. Make right whatever needs to be made right. See, not all persecution is for the sake of righteousness. Not all hardship is because you're following Jesus. Some of it is because you're not following Jesus. And if you're in the word of God, consistently hearing from the God of his word, that's the primary way we hear from God, by reading the Bible. God will make clear to you sooner then later. I have found in my case, if I'm open to God and I want to know the truth, that's what humility is, agreeing with God about what he already knows. That's what humility is, agreeing with God about what he already knows. If you're open to the truth and you want God to speak to you and you're getting the word of God by being in God's word, the Bible, sooner than later, God will provide clarity in your life and you'll know You'll know whether you're being persecuted for the sake of righteousness or for the sake of unrighteousness. If you're being persecuted for the sake of righteousness, you have an advocate pleading your case before your just judge, God the Father. And nobody can make a case that will beat the case that Jesus makes before his Father on your behalf. He's never lost the case. Never lost an argument, never will. And if you walk with God and you're born again, don't be consumed and concerned about your adversary. Your adversaries, bring them on. I have an advocate who's never lost the case. Right. You have an advocate. Yeah. Back to the unjust judge and this widow. Look with me at James Chapter 1, verse 27. James 1, 27. You see, the idea here is that this poor woman was a widow in a man's world. And she's pleading her own case before the judge because she didn't have an advocate pleading her case. And yet she was persistent. She packed a powerful punch. 
wasn't willing to give in. This judge was unrighteous, didn't fear God, didn't fear man, did whatever he wanted to do, whenever he wanted to do it, let the cards fall. He didn't give a flying rip. Multiple ways we could say that. James chapter 1 verse 27, we're told what true religion is. See, religion gets a bad rap these days, but there is such a thing as religion that's pleasing to God. And here it is in James chapter 127, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. See, widow, orphan, helpless, hopeless. If a widow didn't have somebody pleading her case, helping her out with the basic things of life, she'd have a very difficult life. And so what Jesus is doing here by talking about this parable of this widow, he's picking the person of greatest need in the culture of that day. The woman who would have nobody pleading her case. The woman who, if somebody else didn't come alongside in that man's world. She's not just a woman. She's a widow having nobody to plead her case. And to make matters worse, to add insult to injury, she's got to plead her case before a corrupt judge. Corrupt judge. Who's not interested in justice. Not interested in her well-being. Blind to the fact that she is one of the lowest in that societal system whom he should have been caring for, but he didn't care. He didn't fear God. You know, this idea of fearing God, Exodus chapter 20, verse 20, this idea of fearing God is something that we don't even understand as those who are born again. The fear of God is what keeps you, keeps me from sinning. It's what motivates you to reconcile with your brother or your sister. It's what motivates you, at least it should motivate you, to reconcile with your spouse, reconcile with your children. It's what helps you understand that life in the here and now matters, not only in light of eternity, but it matters right here and right now. The fear of God. Exodus 20, verse 20. What it says, Moses said to the people, do not fear. In other words, don't fear your circumstances, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, and that you may not sin. Fear of God, fundamental to the life of somebody who is born again, a respect for God. Yes, a reverence for him that will keep you from sinning. If concern for your, for your own reputation isn't a big enough motivation, the fear of God should be. If concern for the welfare of another person whom you've wronged, whom you haven't forgiven, who you've got a grudge against, whom you're gossiping about and slandering about, or whom, over whom you've got a bitter spirit, if your own well-being is not mo- motivating enough, then the fear of God, the respect for God, the one who is the just judge, who knows the truth, and knows how you're carrying on, should be significant enough. Look with me at Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. How many of us want knowledge? How many of us want wisdom? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of it all. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. See, you have a say in your life whether or not you want to be characterized as a fool or as a person filled with wisdom. And it all begins with a fear of God, a respect for God, an appreciation for God. And if you're looking for something to do over the course of your monthly 
walk with God 30 days, 31 days, depending on how many days are in a month, typically speaking. We know February is the anomaly. The book of Proverbs is a great place to understand the fear of God. Read one a day, meditate on one a day. Call out for wisdom, call out for understanding, and guess what? God will give it to you. He doesn't dangle carrots and then pull it away at the last moment. See, the fear of God, a healthy understanding of God, the just judge, is important in your life and mine. But this judge didn't fear God, didn't respect people, and he's got a woman. Look with me at Luke 18, verse 5. This woman, who's a widow, had a secret weapon. She had a serious left hook or a right jab. I don't know which one it was. But the terminology that's actually used here in verse 5 is to give a black eye or to damage the reputation. That's what it actually means. Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, the unjust judge says, I will give her justice so that she will not give me a black eye, beat me down with her continual coming. He was either concerned about his own reputation, concerned about being worn out, And Jesus says, this woman who packed that serious left hook, right jab, whatever it was, her persistence is an example for you and for me. Don't let the circumstances in life kick the wind out of you. Keep going. Don't let what's happening in your life because you're trying to walk with Jesus deter you from walking with Jesus. Don't let your financial adversaries keep you from being a good steward of the finances that God has given you. Serve Jesus. Don't let what people say about you in terms of following Jesus and honoring him and making fun of you because you're trying to be Jesus, walk with Jesus because you're trying to walk with him and because people will call you a Jesus freak. Don't let what they say, your adversaries, deter you from following Jesus. Don't let what's happening in your life deter you from intimacy with God. That's what it's about. It's about walking with God and the circumstances in life will test you. Purify your faith. Get out the dross. Get out the distractions so that what's left is pure and sincere devotion to Jesus Christ. If God, God himself, is giving this example of the unjust judge and a down-and-out widow who eventually got justice, the whole point is that God is not like that unjust judge. He will give you justice. You see, every one of the prayers that you pray is answered, every single one of them. You say, that hasn't been my experience. It doesn't seem like God has been answering my prayers. It doesn't seem like God is listening to my prayers. Listen, take it on the word of Jesus from his mouth to your ears. God hears every single one of your prayers and they are being answered right now. Either yes, no, or not yet. Every single prayer that you pray is in the process of being answered and will be answered one day, either yes or no or not yet. And the trials that come your way, as 1 Peter 1 says, they come to test your faith, which is of more value than gold. Do you know that God has given you something? If you're born again, he's given you faith that is more precious than gold. And that faith is to be exercised by taking every single petition you have before the just judge who hears you and is acting for his glory 
And ultimately for your benefit, even if you don't see it as for your benefit, it is. It is for your benefit, yes, no, not yet. When God has an answer that is not yet, that means there is glory on the horizon for his name. Through whatever it is that you're facing, there is glory. And see, there are things happening in your world, not just the world, in your world. There are circumstances and scenarios and orchestrations that need to be set up so that at the right time in the right way for the maximized glory of God, things can unfold. And sometimes that takes time. In the meantime, you are, as a born-again, forgiven child of God, to walk in intimacy with your God, to pray, to make your requests known to God, and to walk out that newfound faith that was given to you in a silver platter through the blood of Jesus. Amen. We're to always pray. Never give up. Don't just pray to get the answers that you want big mistake. Pray to get the answers that would glorify God. The answer is either yes or no and not yet. And if it's not yet, hold on to the hem of Jesus' garment. Draw near to your advocate who's in the process of pleading his case through your life, his case through your life and unfolding and orchestrating the event so that at just the right time and just the right way, the ultimate glory of God will be revealed. That's what 1 Peter chapter 1 is talking about. For a little while, you'll have trouble. But sooner or later... The sky is going to crack. Jesus is going to come down, land on the Mount of Olives, and you're going to receive the redemption of your body, part two of your salvation. The circumstances of life are going to make you think if you're not listening to Jesus, you'll be deceived. circumstances of life are going to make you think if you're not listening to Jesus, you'll be deceived into thinking that God isn't just. You're going to think that God doesn't care about your prayers. And if God doesn't care about your prayers, you're going to think that God doesn't care about you. What part of the cross are we forgetting? What part about being born again are we forgetting in that thinking? God saved you by grace, through faith, by giving your life to Jesus Christ, believing that he paid a debt that you could not pay. So you could begin a relationship of abiding intimacy with him. Get going. Don't lose heart. Circumstances have nothing to do with the faithfulness of God. I don't know, ultimately speaking, why it's been so long between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming, but I do know that Jesus knew that it would be this long. Jesus knew that you would have circumstances, that I would have circumstances, so much so that he would give us a parable. Don't lose heart. Keep persevering. Walk with the king. 
Lay all of your requests before him. Because really, what it's all coming down to, my friends, is this in verse 8 of Luke 18. I tell you, he, God, will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, Jesus referring to himself, will he find faith on the earth? Faith and your prayer life go hand in glove. Persevering faith is faith that endures. Faith that prays. Faith that abides with God and walks closely with him. The circumstances in life are designed to do one of two things, kick the wind out of you and get you distracted from drawing near to God or to perfect your faith for that glorious appearing, that moment of the appearing of Jesus Christ where you receive part two. You know, in 1993, I was in seminary and my mother and my father were going through an absolutely brutal divorce. My father was bodily removed from the house. Circumstances, I won't go into all the details right now. My father was removed from the house and they were in court appearance after court appearance after court appearance after court appearance. And I was not living in New Jersey. I had been delivered. I was living in Oregon. But this court proceeding and these, this trial appearance after trial appearance after trial appearance was happening in New Jersey. I was all the way in Oregon. And my mother would go before the judge, the unjust judge, plead her case. And the judge would rule in favor of my father. This happened repeatedly. Repeatedly, this happened. And I was fasting and I was praying and I had dozens of my friends and my family members fasting and praying. Oh Lord, give my mother, who's not guilty in this circumstance, give my mother justice, give her justice. And then we'd get on the phone to hear the court order afterward and it would be against my mother. It would be for my father. And we were like, what is going on here? What is happening? This went on for a period of months. Months. And I was in seminary trying to learn about God. And I'm in the, the, the arena of real life learning about God in a completely seemingly contrary way to what we were learning in seminary. God's good and if I pray, God will always answer my prayers. No, that's not in the Bible that God will answer all my prayers according to my riches and glory, according to his riches and glory. He'll work and orchestrate things out for his glory. This went on for months. Final verdict in my mother and father's divorce in favor of my father against my mother. Well, hold on to your seat. Months passed and months passed and my father got ahead of himself, got ahead of the unjust judge, began to do things he shouldn't have done. They went back to court and the judge absolutely reversed the whole order in favor of my mother. And we rejoiced with the Lord and said, yes, there is a God. Yes, there is justice. Sometimes it's in this life. Don't make the mistake that we thought that there is a God based on the circumstances and the outcome of our prayers. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes our prayers are answered justly this side of eternity, this side of the return of Christ. And other times, more often than not, they're not. And you want an example of that? It's going to happen all through the course of this week in your life and mine. Where you're going to be praying to God and asking him to do something. And it won't be happening in your timetable or in the way that you thought it was going to happen. But that does not detract from the justice of God. The glory of God. The goodness of God. God is at work in your life and mine to orchestrate all events, all circumstances. So that in the end, he who laughs last, laughs best. 
The purpose of your prayer life and my prayer life is to bring glory to God. And the circumstances in your life and my life, if we're not careful, will kick the wind out of us to cause us to think that God's not just, but he is just. God's not good, but he is good. Don't let the circumstances of life, the circumstances of your life, your adversaries overshadow the reality that you have an advocate. His name is Jesus. And you should always pray and not lose heart. You should always pray and not lose heart because someday, maybe sooner than we realize, the Son of Man will return. And when he does, he'll be looking for faith. Your faith. Persevering faith that believes the goodness of God regardless of life's circumstances. You've been listening to the Michael Anthony Bible Teaching Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, you'll love Michael Anthony's Courage Matters Podcast, where he focuses on leadership, relationships, and world events. To learn more, visit CourageMatters.com or download the free Courage Matters app. Interested in requesting Michael for an interview, guest appearance, or as a keynote speaker for your event? Click the Invite tab on the Courage Matters app or on CourageMatters.com. In the meantime, keep looking up. There's no place else worth looking. Mm-hmm.